As we move through this final couple of segments here on the Big Talker FM, Yael Asowski with the Consumer Choice Center joins us each Friday morning just after 9.30. He was with us on the front end of the week, so I'm wondering how today's segment will go, given that he was on uh, you know, an upbeat and uh, refreshed uh, coming off a, a weekend where his daughter was serving him beers, and uh, now here we are at the back end of the week. And I'm wondering what uh, Yael's up to all the way out there in Vienna, Austria this morning. Yael, my friend, it's always a pleasure. Well, thanks so much, Joe. Yes, it is a pleasure. Uh, do I still have the upbeat attitude I had at the beginning of the week? Well, eh, it gets worn down <laughs> over the week, as you all know. So then you get refreshed and built back up over the weekend, right? Isn't that the purpose of the weekend? Yeah, of course. It's to build up that fire so you remember why we do what we do and why we take the time to get up early in the morning to kiss goodbye to our kids. I mean, for me, it's uh, just to my office, but to you, it's to the radio station and to make a difference. And uh, yeah, though, uh, though I, you know, I always have a inkling at back of the mind that things are getting worse. I know overall things are still getting better. And it really is thanks to people who are doing exactly like we're doing each and every day. Yael Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center is uh, with us here on the Big Talker 106.7 FM. He's the host of the Consumer Choice radio show. He and David Clement uh, take you through the world of consumer choice uh, around the country and throughout the world every Saturday morning from 10 until 11 a.m. here on the Big Talker FM. Yael, we've covered it extensively. and In fact, before I even knew you, uh, you were following the efforts of the World Health Organization and uh, what they've been up to. Of course, President Trump, uh, right at the beginning of his term in office, uh, pulled the United States out of uh, this agreement with other nations as this kind of branch out of the United Nations, saying, listen, you know, your organization does not have our best interests in mind. You waste a lot of our money, and as a result, we're pulling back. Well, we're now re-engaged with the World Health Organization. And in fact, uh, Joe Biden has sent uh, $200 million uh, to, you know, uh, sure up any you know, differences that we may have had with them over the past uh, couple of years. Uh, you've, of course, been very critical of that decision, given the, all of the information that you have found out through your research with The Who. Why don't we, you know, once again, go back in time here and uh, let the folks know out there you know, what this organization, what their mission and goal is and how that has gone and veered off a very different pathway over your time following uh, the World Health Organization. Really, I can find stories all the way back to 2016 uh, highlighting some of the you know, misdeeds and uh, chicanery that goes on with this uh, group. Chicanery indeed. Yeah, it started off, we'll go back to the Ebola epidemic that happened in, in Central Africa. Uh, some of you might already remember that. That's when President Obama uh, actually put forward the very first travel restrictions back then, uh, oddly enough. And that was uh, really the, the first larger test in the new century when it comes to the World Health Organization and global disease outbreaks. And they really, they really missed the ball on that one. They were too late sending in their own experts. Uh, they weren't able to assess the situation. And essentially, the people of, of the Central African nations where Ebola began spreading, uh, they just didn't really have the materials and they didn't have the scientific knowledge that many of these experts at the World Health Organization had. And there were a lot of, of people who were trying to understand why the World Health Organization itself put out reports kind of explaining and, and saying they had failed, they had shortcomings. Uh, but that didn't really stop them. They kept on. And uh, thanks to Michael Bloomberg, our favorite doomed uh, Democratic presidential candidate, 
Uh, he funneled billions of dollars into the World Health Organization so they would focus on these things called non-communicable diseases, and that is everything related to uh, smoking, to alcohol, uh, to uh, sedentary practices, meaning people not getting enough exercise. And that really changed the focus of the World Health Organization. That's back in the, the mid-2000s. And from then on, the World Health Organization put out reports, they did treaties, they were putting all their manpower into individual freedoms and behaviors. So they're big fans of things like soda taxes, taxes on vaping products, and trying to curb people who play video games and uh, drink alcohol, Joe. Oh, the travesty. And that's where we started seeing that things were going awry, because there are real public health crises and outbreaks. So that's why in the beginning, you know, this is even before the pandemic, we were criticizing the World Health Organization. This is an organization where the executives, they all take business class flights. They have huge expensive conferences in the Seychelles or some other uh, Caribbean island at times. And, and we started criticizing them very early. And then as soon as we got the news of what was happening in China, the World Health Organization was very slow. They trumpeted many of the same lines as the Chinese Communist Party. And all these months later, we know that because of that dithering, because of that mission creep onto these other uh, different topics, that means that they dropped the ball on the early part of the pandemic. And then the news that we just got this week is that, as the Joe Biden administration has said, we're rejoining the World Health Organization as Trump uh, took us out uh, last year officially. Now we're back in, but there are no concessions. There are no questions on what happened in China. And a lead of researchers from the World Health Organization have not even been able to put together a comprehensive report of what happened in Wuhan, China. And we're still waiting on that. It's been over a year, if we remember. I'm sure all of your listeners who maybe have not been able to work or had their businesses go south, uh, they definitely feel that one year. But it seems that now the World Health Organization is continuing on. The Chinese are not letting anyone investigate. They're getting stonewalled at every single aspect of it. And the Joe Biden administration is just going along to get along. And this is very unfortunate because this has impacted all of our freedoms, all of our lives. And it's just because of this organization and how it was led astray. And I find that very sad. And these investigators recently wrapped up, right, a trip to Wuhan and were set to release something as far as you know, what they had thought had gone on in that region of China. And we're just getting nothing for our dollars once again. And in fact, just in good taste, the United States has decided that we're going to, you know, as I mentioned, shoot over $200 million just to, you know, uh, sand out any rough edges that may have popped up over the past uh, couple of years under Orange Man Bad. I mean, uh, you know, really, when we look at the the mission of the World Health Organization and uh, what we're getting at for it, I think it's just uh, largely. I mean, what? Why? Yeah, why are we with this uh, organization, Yael, in your mind? And uh, what's the purpose of this? You know. We're not. We're becoming less and less healthy as a nation overall. We're in the middle of a uh, and on the back end now, hopefully, of a pandemic that you know they could have uh, got and jumped out in front of if their mission was uh, centered on, on on world health. Uh, yet here we are wasting our tax dollars uh, for another you know organization that is just filled with bureaucracy and waste. And really, it comes down to that mission creep that I was talking about. You know, this is an organization that was supposed to protect global health, to be there to respond to outbreaks and epidemics that are localized and in various communities. 
And whenever we have large scale pandemics, they're supposed to have the expertise, the knowledge, the equipment, they have the policy responses, but they had none of that from the get go. All they had was the word of the Chinese Communist Party telling us all kinds of things. The same regime that was disappearing doctors and journalists who were reporting on it from the very beginning. And to answer the first part of your question, Joe, the uh, committee that was supposed to produce this report, they did go to Wuhan, China. They tried to interview scientists and other people. I mean, we don't even know where it came from. There are many theories that are out there. There's one that's called the lab leak uh, theory that is, has been uh, opined on by many people. But we really just don't have any definitive information. And the main reason is because the Chinese communists have said any information that comes out of this report needs to be approved by its health ministry. They need to have Chinese experts sign off on everything. And considering the authoritarian nature of this government, it's there's absolutely no doubt that this will be plenty of falsehoods. And the Chinese are even claiming that uh, the outbreak started in the U.S., uh, thanks to frozen food factories. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff here that is really unsettling. And if you had a global organization like this that would actually have a little bit of cajones, they would actually call this out and present us with the truth, because that would mean that we can actually focus on the things that matter, and we can help make our domestic populations safer from these outbreaks, healthier overall, reduce costs, and hopefully avoid any of these type of lockdown situations in the future. I mean, at the end of the day, Yael, is it just uh, China runs the world at this point? Uh, you know, they have their fingers pretty much in everything. Uh, you know, you're in Europe, uh, and uh, I know a little bit about, uh, you know, my uh, old country of Italy, where my family is from, and, uh, you know, how they've basically taken over the manufacturing industry and in many of these uh, small towns uh, that uh, produce, you know, uh, Italian leathers and uh, you know some of those big name uh, corporations that are w known worldwide. Uh, you know, many ports of entry uh, throughout uh, Europe and elsewhere around the world owned by Chinese companies. We have well documented information here within our universities and colleges. Many professors and others within the places of higher learning here. You know on the payroll of uh, you know organizations from China. In fact, uh, when we talk about the World Health Organization. Uh, they this week also defending their appointment of a U.S. doctor who uh, basically was funneling in through a nonprofit group, uh, you know, more than a half million dollars to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is where you know many people claim this virus came from. Uh, China has its fingers in everything, and no one seems to uh, want to look at it except uh, a guy by the name of Donald Trump, and he was uh, criticized for it, uh, but he did for sure, I think, bring a lot of eyes and attention to this. I think that's true. Definitely the presence and the rhetoric of Donald Trump did refocus a lot of this. I mean, we uh, so long we were talking about Russia, 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 when we actually had a very active China, kind of international Chinese network. And, you know, I should be very clear, this has nothing to do with the Chinese people. It has everything to do with the upper echelons of the Chinese Communist Party, and then also all of, of the executives and managers in various companies that, by law, must have Chinese Communist Party members on their board, and there is a, a level of oversight uh, when it comes to their companies that would never, ever, ever pass muster here in the United States. I mean, could you imagine you needed to have one officer from the federal government on every corporation in the United States that would never pass? But that's what happens in China. And I think people are, are beginning to understand what's happening. And, you know, a lot of it is because China wants to learn from the United States. They want to take a lot of practices. They want to take what 
our scientists are doing in universities and replicate it and implement it into China, or they just steal the intellectual property when people go to China and have to partner with the government to sell their products or set up their factories. So there's a lot to look out here. I, I think people are more critical. We're understanding this. And I really do think the United States and China and whatever that foreign policy is, that is actually going to come to define the Biden administration more than anything else. We think it's the stimulus. We think it's, uh, you know, the the first female Treasury Secretary type language that comes from uh, Jen Psaki, who is the White House uh, press person. But really, it's going to come down to China and our relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. There's a lot of questions to ask. There's a lot of bad ways to go about this. And so far, that really seems like that's the kind of route that we're on. And in fact, uh, you know, in the buildup uh, to uh, this administration, a lot of questions uh, that were not asked by members of the media as far as, you know, ties uh, to uh, the Chinese communists and many other you know, businesses within that land uh, and, uh, you know, family ties uh, that the Biden administration has. Yet we were scoffed at, looked at, criticized and, and labeled if we wanted to bring any of these concerns to light because, uh, well, it was all about getting orange man bad out of office. They've succeeded yes. in that. Yael Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center with us. Uh, is there such a thing, Yael, as too much choice in our society? At least one uh, opinion uh, editor uh, believes so with the New York Times. His name is Paul Krugman. And at a time when a bunch of Neanderthals are out there in Texas, Mississippi, now Connecticut apparently because they're lifting restrictions, uh, no more capacity uh, limits on restaurants and other types of establishments, retail stores, uh, gyms. Uh, churches, uh, Connecticut lifting that, uh, announcing it yesterday. You know, do we have too much choice? I mean, over the past year, we've been very limited in what we can access and, and why we can do it. Uh, Paul Krugman says you know, we, we should have our handlers, and our handlers, I guess, should be the government, right, and how we go about uh, consuming uh, all the great goods and services uh, that we purchase day to day. So to give some background for your listeners, Paul Krugman, is uh, he's an economist. He won a Nobel Prize uh, for something that has has nothing to do with uh, with his daily work, by the way. His uh, his thesis and, and why he got the prize is actually very worthy because it was all about how markets work. Uh, but in his uh, sort of from his pedestal there as a columnist at the New York Times, otherwise known as the newspaper that tells everyone else how to live, uh, he has an argument here that basically we have too much choice in our society when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to electricity, when it comes to banking options. It's just too much choice. People are not smart enough to make their own decisions, and it leads to everyone making bad decisions. Now, this on its face is exactly what you think it is. It's just the typical elitist model. It is uh, the model of thinking that is best for us to decide for you. I mean, it's exactly like Michael Bloomberg and the World Health Organization and the other example. He's saying that because there is so much choice between different health insurers, for instance, that leads to people making bad decisions. Well, that the entire point about having so much choice is that the best can win, and we have rich competition that makes it better for everyone. And I, I think it's, it's once again just another elitist mindset. The reason that we have so much wealth in our country is because we have so much competition and free choice. And yeah, you know what? Some people will make mistakes, like I've made mistakes, you've made mistakes, we all have, but we learn from that and we become better. And I think that's something that Krugman and his ilk kind of overlook. It's very infantilizing, treating us all like children and not like mature adults. We have to be able to learn, we have to be able to make mistakes. And I think this type of thinking that is, is all too often playing out in, in many different committee hearings, 
in Washington, D.C. and across many local governments across our entire country. It's just wrong. I believe in the people, Joe. I think you believe in the people, too. And it's uh, it's up to them to make the best choice, not to the people who sit on our elite coasts to make that for us. Yael Sasky with the Consumer Choice Center with us uh, here this morning. And uh, in speaking of uh, consumer choice and uh, how limited it has been uh, over the course of the past year, you know, learning from things, adapting and adjusting to the new times uh, should be you know, very interesting to see where we go in the not-so-distant future, hopefully, as more and more states you know, buck some of the recommendations that are being made by you know, the Biden administration, Dr. Fauci, and lifting some of these restrictions that have been in place for a year now. And that's not to say private business can't make decisions on their own as far as capacity limits or mask mandates within their establishments. They're free to do so. It just means the government is getting out of the way quickly to go back to you know consumer choice in regards to health care i know you've highlighted that in a couple of uh, pieces that have been published uh, throughout the country you know what are some options that you feel when it comes to health care because that's always a hot topic and the cost and the effectiveness as it relates to the quality of care you know what types of things in your eyes can help improve uh, that situation for consumers around the country I think there are many different options that people can take. They don't always need to just go along with what, uh, let's say, your employer would prescribe you or what others will say. There are great different services. One thing that I always recommend is something called direct primary care. It's the ability for you to actually have a subscription with your personal doctor. That is a great service. It's one I use myself uh, right there in North Carolina outside the Charlotte area. I know there are plenty in Wilmington. And that allows doctors to not have to put all their money in administrative staff who understand insurance claims and all the rest. This is a simple subscription. It's how it used to be with doctors. And I think that really makes costs much lower. You have more personal time with doctors and just improves so much innovation. We have the same with concierge medicine and concierge doctors. And, you know, just look to something so simple as your health plan. I think it's much the same when it comes to your normal health care and your dental care, too. We're often just signing on the dotted line for our employer insurance, but actually sometimes it's a bit cheaper to use individual health options. I really like the uh, high-deductible sort of catastrophic insurance. I think that is a very good option, particularly for young people, young families. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, We have all these different types of programs that exist, but often people are just too scared or don't have the knowledge. And instead of listening to Paul Krugman, who says you shouldn't even have these choices anyway, people can get informed about them. They're everywhere. There are many I know in the Wilmington community that people can look into. I think that's really the best way to empower yourself and your family. So whether it be with your normal health care and your doctor or even your dentist, you know, I I learned that actually it's something like 70 percent of people who have dental insurance have it through their job. And I bet you they couldn't explain what it is. And that's something to where there are new innovative apps and services. Another one is called Levels. This is like a a great little app where it's essentially your dental insurance in an app. And everything is is just like you want it, on demand. I think it's it's just another model. There's probably like thousands more of innovative products. I'd love to hear more about them if you if you guys have any from the from the listeners. But yeah, Joe, there, there's plenty of these options out there, especially in Wilmington, and I, I think it would very much uh, benefit people if they looked into them. And I think in large part, like you said, people get comfortable because uh, their job provides uh, you know a certain level of care, and uh, there's just a, a bit of a knowledge gap there for you know for others and those who do enjoy the comforts of of those types of benefits that are offered by uh, their employers. 
Yael, thanks so much for the time today. I know we're running short, but uh, twice in one week, uh, that's pretty good. We started the week with you, and we'll end it here on a high note. Uh, happy birthday to your little girl. Her second birthday was yesterday. Yeah, a great experience for you and the fam. I know it. Well, thank you so much, Joe. It's uh, great to be able to celebrate a little bit outside. But, uh, yeah, we were still kept a bit indoors. But, yeah, th thanks for that, Joe, and hope we can celebrate there in person in Wilmington very soon. And we look forward to it. Uh, I know getting the two uh, kids together will be awesome. Hopefully when you get here later on this spring or end of the summer, we can get outside and head to the beach for a, a beautiful beach day with uh, our families. Looking forward to it. Yael Osowski with the Consumer Choice Center. You can hear Yael and his tag team partner, David Clement, tomorrow, 10 a.m. here on the Big Talker FM, the latest episode of Consumer Choice Radio.